Nikola Tesla once said, Our virtues and our failings are inseparable, like force and matter. When they separate, man is no more. In this episode, we'll talk about how this helps to explain the point system that determines whether you win or lose in the game of life. This is the Heart Body Business Podcast. Inspiration, tips, and tools for entrepreneurs seeking a more fulfilling type of success. One that stems from exploring and expressing their true passion and purpose and finding healthy ways to do so. All coupled with insights and action items to get a business moving in the right direction. I'm Steve, your host, and I invite you to learn more at heartbodybusiness.com. A few episodes ago, I spoke about a book I wrote a few years back called Game Manual, The Ultimate Easter Egg. The book is written as an instruction manual for this virtual reality game we're all playing. The game we're stuck inside and what we think of as life. In that episode, we discussed the three-brain system inside your body that essentially programs your beliefs and actions. But the book covers a lot of ground, and given that it's a game manual, it has to explain how you score points for winning this game. Nikola Tesla's quote considers our virtues and failings as inseparable. You can't have one without the other. Now, I can't ask Tesla to interpret his quote for us, and failings can have two meanings here, literally things you fail at or your inner failings or faults or struggles. Probably every success guru in the world has said something about our successes coming from our failures. It's not whether you fail, but whether you learn something from it and get back up and try again, right? Edison with his storybook 10,000 Attempts at the Light Bulb. Short of dying from a failure, and then we have a separate topic of life after death, but short of dying from a failure, by definition, you continue on afterward, which means you've learned something. Maybe you don't change direction from one failure, but at least it starts the pile of failures that eventually brings you to the proverbial rock bottom, the moment when enough failures is enough and we do change course. So in this sense, our process of becoming better, of becoming more virtuous, depends on our process of failing. The two, as Tesla said, are inseparable. But there's another way to look at this as well. By failings, we could mean our shortcomings, the struggles we face and therefore need to overcome. Maybe this is from the very way we're programmed, perhaps from past lives if you believe in that sort of thing, but certainly from the moment of conception onwards by our environment and by those around us, by the things we breathe and eat and see, by the things said to us, done to us. Maybe we're raised in poverty and taught poverty and dependence on others. Maybe we're raised in wealth and taught privilege and we look down on the world around us. Maybe we're raised in poor health or given poor moral qualities to emulate from our earliest days. In short, we don't know all the reasons why someone is the way he is or even all the reasons we are the way we are. 
But ultimately, I think it's fair to say that things come easily for some people that are difficult for others, that everyone has their strengths and everyone has their weaknesses. And judging them for these things, well, that's another topic, isn't it? Very easy to do and very ignorant of our own shortcomings. But that, perhaps for another day. Suffice it to say, some things come easily for you that are miserable for another person, and vice versa. Writing, for instance, is something I've loved since I first could write. I remember in elementary school wanting to grow up to do one of two things, either write or play second base for the Detroit Tigers. Turns out I wasn't destined for the big leagues, but the writing thing lasted. It always came easily for me. I always loved it. For many years, I wrote as a freelance contractor, books, speeches, business collateral, and of course, my own projects. Yet I know for many people, writing is an absolute killer. They hate doing it. It's difficult. They can't organize their thoughts through writing. They have no sense of cadence. It doesn't come naturally to them. So, you know, if I sit and write a short essay and someone who struggles with writing does the same, my essay might be better, but in some ways, theirs is more impressive. Why? Because they had to overcome a greater hurdle. And in doing so, it's likely that they learned more than I did. They grew more. Now turn that around. I'm not much of a handyman. In most cases, it's way more efficient for someone who's handy with tools to help me around the house, just as it's more efficient for me to build a website for his business rather than him trying to do so. We both lean into our strengths, get things done more quickly and with more quality. That's what specialization is all about. It leaves us both with more free time and better results but neither of us is forced to grow. Not a lot of struggle, and therefore not a lot of learning took place. For examples like this, that's okay, as long as we have a functioning society and we can rely on each other for help. But let's get back to the topic at hand, virtues and failings. One person might find a particular virtue simple. It doesn't even occur to him to steal something from a store. In fact, were you to suggest it to him, he'd be taken aback. Maybe think you're kidding. Definitely not even consider following through. For someone else, for whatever reason, stealing is on the table. It's an option for him. Maybe even a compulsion. Because so many things we don't understand have gone into who he is today. And for him... The issue of stealing is just a difficult thing. Maybe something he takes for granted, especially if he has some justification for it, like a child he cannot afford to feed. Maybe a compulsion to steal is something he actually hates about himself, but struggles to control. It's super easy for us to feel like that's a morally weak person, to cast judgment. An honest assessment of a situation is fine. We observe something about someone and it lets us know how to interact with them and even to protect ourselves. It's pretty dangerous, though, if we're judging him on the inside. Because just maybe that person is really good, really morally good, 
in some area that we happen to be weak in. Maybe he's super protective of those in his inner circle. Maybe he would literally take a bullet for someone he loves. And maybe when it came down to it, we wouldn't. So if that's the case, are we morally weak? Or is it the case that everyone has strengths and weaknesses? That some things are easy and some things are difficult, depending on who you are. That the most impressive thing is not doing the right thing, but doing the right thing when it's difficult for you. Maybe there's something beautiful about life itself when I don't steal from others, when I don't even think about it. But there's nothing impressive about me in this because there's nothing in my nature that would have me do this. I'm impressed, though, when someone overcomes their past or overcomes their circumstance, when someone fights their nature in order to not steal. That, to me, is so beautiful. It is the human spirit overcoming nature and growing as a result. And I've talked about the human collective in the past. In this case, this person is contributing something positive to the human collective through this effort. Jesus told a story about this very point. He talked about a poor woman who gave a couple of copper coins to the temple, worth a few cents. Meanwhile, others were, of course, giving far more in their donations. But Jesus said, they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. In short, the wealthy gave what was easy for them to give. This woman gave what was difficult for her to give. So the one who impressed Jesus was the woman who appeared to give the least, but in fact gave the most. It is the effort that mattered because this is what changed the inner world. It demonstrated a great effort of spirit affecting not only that woman, but the human family as a whole. That is where we see beauty. And that, by the way, is why life is fair. People are always trying to say life isn't fair, but it's because they don't understand its underlying point system. You're scored on the inner effort you put in to what you believe will improve the world around you. Not on the external results, but the efforts that went into them. So that brings us full circle back to virtues and failings. Virtue is not some external act. Virtue is the victory of spirit over matter. Take two identical acts on the surface and one can be far more virtuous than the other. You get more points in the game of life by doing what is right when it's difficult than by doing what is right when it's easy. Now, here's an interesting detail to this. If something's difficult early in life, worth a lot of points to you, but it becomes easy with practice, guess what? It becomes worth less with each success. You score fewer points. Why is this still fair? Well, for one thing, because there are other areas for you to continue working on, but just as important, there are deeper levels of the same area for you to work on. Maybe it's easy for you to not steal from a store, but stealing takes place on more subtle levels, like stealing from one's reputation by gossiping about them, 
Lots of points to be had there because that's a whole lot more challenging, isn't it? We opened with a quote by Tesla, and I referenced Edison as well, both part of the race to electricity and light bulbs early on. Well, here's a cool thought. Incandescent light bulbs work by passing electricity along a wire, and they build up both light and heat because of resistance. We speak of the light of truth. We speak of the warmth of the heart. And these cannot happen without resistance. It's when we resist our nature, when we overcome, that something beautiful occurs. We increase our light. We increase our warmth. In short, we increase our virtue and therefore our point count in this game we're all trying to win. Now, let's speak briefly about the application here to business. In a SWOT analysis, we look at the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats to our business. We want to lean into our strengths. We want to take advantage of where we're strong and leverage this to provide great service to our community. But we also need to be aware of our weaknesses and do what is necessary to overcome them. Maybe this means hiring people with different skills. Maybe it means forcing us to learn something new ourselves. Maybe it means finally addressing the thing that's difficult in our business that we keep putting off specifically because it's not something we like doing. I spoke recently with a health practitioner who had the knowledge and tools to help people with their health, but didn't know how to grow a practice. But then she did what was difficult for her. She started learning the business side of things, how to build a website and advertise and so on. And while she's just getting started, and I can't say how her business will grow financially, it is now at least poised to do so because she faced her weaknesses and worked to overcome them. So in my mind, I know she's already succeeded in some important ways. Again, this doesn't mean you don't lean into your strengths, but imagine being very good, for instance, at providing some service and even attracting customers, but you never wanted to address the financial side of things. You were bleeding money on ads and neglecting to track things properly to file taxes because, after all, accounting is just too boring for you. So when's the last time you did a SWOT analysis for your own business? And while we're at it, when's the last time you did one for your life? The world needs us to be excellent at something, to be aware of our purpose and pursue it with our strengths. But we don't want to get outflanked by ignoring our weaknesses along the way. In fact, if I'm right about life's point system, facing those, overcoming those, is a powerful part of winning this game. It's like Tesla said, without our failings, we have no virtue. We build up virtue by overcoming, by doing what's difficult to make ourselves better, to grow the human spirit, to make the world a little lighter, a little warmer, and a better place for all. 
Till next time, thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe. You can also join our mailing list to get alerts on our latest episodes and other tips, tools, and news. Learn more and sign up at heartbodybusiness.com.